This is the 51st episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me are my dear co-hosts Robinson Sien and Christopher Wikström. All of us are very happy to have you here, dear listener. Hello, hi, how do you do? Good evening, friends. I hope you're doing well. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Tech app. We hope that you have missed us a bit again. Adult life has kept on adulting. Uh, we're here now again though, and we should be so with extra vigor as Tier 1 Con is but a fortnight away. In this episode, we will, as always, report back from recent Paper Legacy play, including a weekend event at a local game store, Alpha Spiel. Then we will follow the long line of brewers and talk about what the fuck is up with this blazer kitten. To round us off, the Basic Land Connoisseur panel climbs up a mountain to talk about Mono Red Stompy. Robin, you played a weekend event at our local game store about a week ago. What did you play and how did that go? I topated with uh, eight costs. It was not a large tournament. We were merely 18 players. So actually a little bit less than a usual league night <laughs> people are apparently more keen on playing thursday evenings than sunday mornings but i actually prepared for the alpha spiel meta so i will give you a little bit of a little bit of a rundown on my preparations well please do okay so i've been uh, writing down the meta uh, almost every time i played so this is a summary of uh, something like 5 Occasions, I think. Uh, most played deck is Blue Red Delver. Surprise, surprise. Big shock. With 10 copies. Death and Taxes, 7 copies. The Epic Storm and A&T. I grouped them together. 7 copies. And then we have Bant, 6 copies. And Jeskai, 6 copies. Esper Vial, 5 copies. And then uh, Green White Depths, 4 copies. Cloud Post, four copies. Painter, four copies. And Aluren, three copies. Turbo Depths, three copies. Elves, three copies. Grixis, three copies. Doomsday, three copies. Mono Red Stompy, three copies. Goblins, three copies. Pox, two copies. <laughs> Burn, two copies. Food Chain, two copies. Dredge, two copies. And then one copy of Reanimator, Phoenix, Sneak and Show, Dax. Merfolk, Ninjas, and uh, I haven't correctly recorded 8cast because that's what I've been playing. So I think I've been <laughs> oh man, sort of omitting my own deck from the meta. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you don't have to worry about the artifact hate. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> but we even played a mirror. No Hercules. <laughs> One copy of 8cast. No, just kidding. Oh, I forgot to also mention a few copies of... Uh, no, four four copies of Stoneforge, like uh, Stoneblade. All right. So, uh, like, that was the meta I've been uh, a little bit preparing for. And uh, you know that I've been losing a lot to elves. So this time I substituted two of the, like, control cards for engineer explosives. I just wanted to sweep away the, the one drops. And, like, it's pretty good against Delver as well because you can, like... If they have a very fast start, you can sweep Delvers and uh, Channelers all at once. And, of course, no leg- no else players registered for this event at all. And uh, those cards were just rotting in my sideboard. But, uh, anyway, I was paired in Game 1 against Maverick. Really bad matchup, to be honest. In Game 1, he found Find Collector Oof 
after I have forced Italia because I needed to play all of those zero mana artifacts that were in my hand because I have saved them up for a huge side turn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you can't play them, it doesn't really matter if they're oof or not. Yeah, yeah. But maybe I should have saved my counter magic for the oof. But, I mean, they have so many green suns, they will find it. And they also played once upon a time to find. And in game two, he actually boarded in a lot of katakis. So that that deck was quite prepared to, to face off against an artifact deck. <laughs> I was going to say, he came prepared. <laughs> yes, he sure did. Two swift games, double loss, uh, then facing against Turbodepths. This was quite interesting. I have an Emery in play, and he thought this, thought as me, and take lo- like all of my interaction that I have, and makes Merit Leech, and I top deck a Sai, so that I can play on. And I have a couple of, like, not not gonna do a lot artifacts in my hand, but they will make a, a top the token, and it will keep on blocking. And, like, Emery keeps fueling the Sai, so from there on, I'm invincible. No Tower of the Magistrate to be found. Not in the main. <laughs> oh. And then in game two, he had a real explosive hand. So he plays Urborg Petal, Hexmage, passes the turn. Uh, decent. Yeah, and I have a quite uh, a fast hand as well. But like I make a land drop and maybe play an Emery, something like that. In my end step, he exiles a spirit guide, crop rotates away his Urborg for the... Dark Depths and make Meritage and like the game is just over. Yeah, that is a fast hand. Mm. That's turbo. That is a fast hand. Can't be faster than that. And then in game three, I again start with Emery and he starts force vigoring me. But since I have Emery, I can sort of recoup all the losses and he like pitches a card with the force of vigor. So in in the end, even though he likes picks off my mana and all of that, I can climb back and find a needle for his stage. And then can start with the with the beatdown. But it quite intense game three, actually. But I managed to take it down. It's always so heartbreaking when, you, uh, when you're sitting on a what you think is a really good meltdown or force of vigor or stuff like that. And uh, you're just waiting one more turn and they land an Emery. And you're like, oh man, <laughs> no. Yeah. It's a shame, but good for us. Yes. Uh, match number three against Death and Texas. Game one is uh, Chalice. And then construct and a shadow spear, and just good old beatdown. Game two, I have this interesting choice where he has played Thalia, and I have a engineer explosives in my hand, and I also have a torpor orb. So I'm like, I would like to sweep his Thalia first, and also like preventing him from playing. Like uh, something else, a two-drop, a Stoneforge, for example. So I hesitate on the Torpor Orb and place the EE on, on two instead. And of course, he has the Flicker Wisp that resets my EE. And like the Torpor Orb is a little bit too slow on the battlefield. And he just overwhelms me from there on. Orb is always the answer, man. It's always the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so good in that Yeah, matchup. having played just... a lot of different taxes, I would say Orb is just... Talia can be annoying, but it's also just a 2-1, and it's it, it's not going to clock me. Yeah, I mean, if you have Orb, no, they're going to play 2-1s and 3-1s, uh, and you can, you know, block them and sort of... They have no long game. Yeah, like uh, things like, uh, you know, leaning into a Stoneforge, if they don't get that ETB, especially if they're the 80-card version, it's just so annoying. So I'm, I'm definitely pro-Orb. Pro-orb. Yeah. 
I think that was a misplay. Then in game three, I, I get down a fast turtle and I'm like, I got this force of will in my hand. And this force of will has like sorts of plowshares as soon as he gets up to four mana or five mana. And then he plays a Kataki. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, what am I saying? I should have forced this. And uh, that Kataki like completely wrecks my board. And I have to like sack all the artifacts. And, you know, one of the opals have to tap for my uh, turtle to remain on the battlefield. And like, I, I lose all the velocity. And don't draw enough artifacts to keep the turtle attacking. So, like, that was just a a big mistake. Like, uh, you know, not really thinking, just saying okay. Because I knew what I was going to force a will. But I should have forced a will that Kataki, I think. Probably, yeah. So it was a little bit of a punt, annoyingly, to misplace, sort of, that made me lose that match against Death and Taxes. Then I'm up against Food Chain, and like in both games, he sort of stumbles on mana, stumbles on colors, and that kind of thing. So I just get to do my things. Uh, he doesn't have a combo, and uh, I don't see any hate in either game one or game two, but he boarded a lot of cards, <laughs> I see, after we have finished the games. Match number five is against Jeskai, uh, which is uh, like a historically bad matchup for me. But in game one, I have a quite fast start, and the chalice prevents him from cantripping, and he stumbles a little bit on his lands, and uh, he cannot do anything when I'm just get the engine rolling. That's how we get him. Yeah, and in game two, Winter Orb comes down and just locks him out of a verdict that should have solved the board state. So sideboard cards doing sideboard things, and uh, that win actually <laughs> is a win and in for eighth place to the top eight. So I was quite lucky there. And there I I face off against Jeskai again, another pilot. He ha- plays Search for Ascanta, like an old classic that also ramps him. And he draws a lot of card with it. So super sweet card. And in game one, I win quite handily with a, like a, a fast clock. And uh, I think I have a counter magic for like his, his answer. But in game two, he has... A supreme verdict on my board and then he can like get ahead from there on and then in game three i don't have any counter magic in my hand and you just have turn two stony silence and the game is over from there stony silence what a anti-homie stony silence that's like i respect it yeah but man. i mean i i think like you need to be prepared to lose to hate cards yeah, for sure. That's just how it is. Yeah, and I think also, I think a lot of people at our LGS is pretty scared of 8-cast. I see a lot of Artifact 8. Could also be some of those painter yes. players, but I remember the first yeah. time we showed up with our fresh turtles, and it changed yeah. everything, I feel like. After that, I just saw... Yeah, s- put the fear in yeah, their heart. Yeah, I saw so many <laughs> Artifact hate cards after that. I think a lot of players are playing like two Meltdown, but then they are playing a Stony Silence as well in the Jeskai deck. And like that that matchup is already kind of hard because they play Narset and you cannot really get your engine going. So you need to be very fast and I think you need to board in a lot of counter magic and just hope that it's not a Teferi in play and the, all of that. And that's like... They don't also sweep you with the Supreme Verdict with all your counter magic in hand. 
So, but like you have to, you have to bring in a lot of counter magic, and then you have to pray with your winter orbs that they will be so slowed down that you can beat them down with with constructs or with uh, turtles or just tokens. That was uh, my weekend legacy adventure. I won a wasteland, so that was Ooh. pretty nice mm. for few rounds of magic well well done you robin that was a good showing and nice representation of the podcast Uh, what about you christopher have you been playing any magic in the past two weeks i have not played since i sleeved up the blue red delver but i have done a lot of brewing which we're gonna get into get into soon but some of the one of the decks that i threw together at home that i'm really excited to try out soon is the rug uh, ledger shredder deck with punishing fire and uro that that seems extremely sweet i've seen a lot of people try this out and uh, like when i watch streamers on uh, twitch playing i've seen them them face this deck from time to time now so it seems to tickle an itch for some players it's a pretty light you know like fret light deck it's you know a place at drc's place at ledger shredder and then free uro but then it's playing, you know, a full playset of baubles, free punishing fires, you know, with that groves and uh, just cantrips, expressive iterations, and of course, no basics, Mystic Sanctuary. Two copies of days, because, you know, in the late game, you really need to get that Sanctuary up in your hand again, I guess. But uh, yeah, I'm super excited to try this deck. I think Ledger Shredder is such a fun card, and it's a cool you know, build around that just slots into a lot of different decks, but having it in a Punishing Fire deck, when you know you're going to double spell, you can just pick up Punishing Fire, and if it's the worst card in your hand when you convive, you just throw it back in the bin. So that's uh, that's super cool. So I'm, I'm excited to try that. But I'm, I'm more excited about another card we're going to talk about, but that's a bit later. You had heard about it in the preview. What about you, Victor? Well, moving is finally done. Uh, Big work things are sort of reports have been released and I was away for a full week in a training and such things. But now as we're approaching tier one con, I probably won't be making any Thursday nights, but I'm going to make sure to get all those kitchen table reps in. the talk of legacy town the past weeks is displacer kitten so first things first what is this card recently released in commander legends battle for baldur's gate well incidentally it is also part of the bestiarium of the dungeons and dragons fifth edition adventure the wild beyond the witchlight dubbed and i'm quoting here a wickedly whimsical adventure by the publisher wizards of the coast lore text for this card is and I quote again, isn't it the cutest thing you've almost seen? Duan, purveyor of exotic pets. End quote. So how about that, eh? Uh, well, anyway, the stats for this displacer kitten, which is the big talk of the town, is as follows. Three and a blue for a creature cat beast. Avoidance, which is whenever you cast a non-creature spell, 
exile up to one target non-land permanent you control then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control so all of us are of course highly excited by exactly how whimsical you can combo off with this card i want to hear from all of us and i will start with you robin what would you do with this kitten if you had the free choice i built surprise surprise blue and white deck featuring this card maybe there's a splash color because you play prismatic ending and maybe you play like splash color cards in the sideboard i haven't uh, really put any splash color cards in the sideboard but the whole idea is of course that you play a little bit of a combo control deck revolving around this kitting and teferi i mean this is the most used combo you can build this with like different degrees of combo ishness, so to say. And uh, I decided to to build it quite combo-y. So this is four kittens and one Tassus Oracle to win the game. Four Snapcaster Mage. That's a little bit too many, perhaps. Uh, maybe one could be like a recruiter of the guard to find a kitten. But like Snapcaster is, is nice with cantrips, nice with Swords of Plosure and, and all of that. So And it's also nice with kitten, obviously. <laughs> if you don't have a combo, maybe you have a value engine instead. Three Lotus Petals in the main deck and one in the sideboard. And one Mox Amber, which is like the nicest combo because you can tap it and bounce it. And play it to reset your Teferi. Tap it, bounce it and do it all again. But since you win with Tessa Circle, you only really need two mana. So like the petals are probably just doing what you needed them to be doing. And then two Engineer Explosives, thanks to Chris who came up with this uh, great idea to switch some of the prismatic endings for ex- uh, engineer explosives because it can also be a combo piece and removal. Then four brainstorm, four ponder, three swords to plowshares, two prismatic ending and one fluster storm, one Savine's reclamation and four force of will. So that's like the control suit, maybe you can say. And then for Teferi and three Karn, the great creators. Then like blue and white lands, fetches and ancient tombs, because this is quite a man-hungry deck. And one of the duels is like an off-color duel to enable better prismatic endings and engineer explosives. And then you have a Lotus Petal and Tormod script in the sideboard, just to make the Karn loop, uh, making infinite mana. And then you have like a walking ballista that can win. Of infinite mana. So you don't need to draw any cards in that sense. But you also have like the ordinary liquid metal coating. And snaring bridge and mycosynt lattice package as well. And that leaves you with a couple of slots. Just to like improve on hard matches. So there's three complementary fluster storms. Against combo decks. And one force of negation. To board in all four cards. And uh, one extra sword to plowshares. And one extra prismatic endings. Against... Like hate bears, maybe against Delver if you need, and uh, like troublesome permanents. And then, uh, not sure about this, but I threw in three silences because, like, against the control decks, it can be nice to to have extra protection. And I think this, I like silence. Or just against uh, Storm when they're uh, finally playing. When they're finally playing their wish and crack lead, you're like, I'm gonna silence you. It's the best feeling in the world. That is very nice as well. So that is the deck for me. Yeah, I think the the funniest thing for a brewer with a card like Displacer Kitten is uh, how many angles there are. And in mm-hmm. your deck, you have both yep. Fairy and Karn. And the Karn loop is super interesting when you can, you know, do some lead tricks 
activate Karn to get a zero mana artifact like Tormod Script. Crack it on yourself while also blinking Karn, netting infinite mana, which eventually lets you, you know, practically play out all of your sideboard artifacts, <laughs> which is insane. And that's just a super cool card. Whenever I see, uh, you know, innovations like that, it's it always makes me happy. The question is, I guess, uh, is this more efficient than current uh, infinite combo draw your deck decks, in your guys' opinion? The thing that I like with it is that the combo involves Lotus Petal, which is a card that you might want to put in your combo deck, but it's a little bit awkward. But since it's a combo piece, it just does the two things at once, so to say. And also, you play Teferi, which is really good in a combo deck to like, like b- bounce their guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. If they don't have double creatures, you are protected on your next turn and you can just go off. And that is also a combo piece. Yeah. So, like, there, there are little, like, nuances of which cards you actually want to combo mm-hmm. with. Yeah. Yep. That is really, yep. really making a difference. And I think if you think about, like, existing combo control decks like Aluren and Food Chain, you sort of have the, the same thing there that in Aluren you want, like, all the coming to battlefield cards, like uh, Uro and uh, Icefang Quattle, for, for instance. They are really good on their own, while, like, Mist Hall of Griffin isn't really that good on its own. So, like, playing Teferi and Petal as your combo piece is really nice compared to something like, I don't know, like the, the Flash guy that taps down the land yeah. or something like that that you used to play in. <laughs> the uh, the Zebra Exarch or Pestamite. Exactly, stuff exactly. Like that. But what, yeah. I, what I think is really cool about this, if you compare it to those other decks that Robin talked about, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Aluren fan, but what makes this really nice is... It's kind of like a pseudo-free slip-in for a lot of decks, you know. It's not the greatest sacrifice to put this in Doomsday and Splash White. It's not It's not massive. Like, Doomsday has played White before just because of Teferi. Because it's just such a huge Veil of Summer. And now it also has like an infinite draw. But we'll, uh, we'll get into some other cool interactions where... Where this uh, where this card does more than what you first might think, so yeah, it's super coolest. So Victor, what about you? There's a kitten living in your household, am I right? Is she vi- visible? <laughs> I was gonna say viable, but <laughs> she's definitely viable. I've she seen some viable. wrestling move. She's viable. Uh, she wrestles with my daughter's hair. Is she visible currently? Unfortunately not. I always love to have her on screen. Cat Ninja. Indeed. No, but um, I mean, I, I'm not sort of fanciful in compared to Robin. I basically had the same combo down, but with two twists. One is that instead of winning with Tassus Oracle, which is like the good thing, we discussed this pre-show youth, you should really just sort of win with Fireball, netting infinite mana with the Mox, or, well, not infinite, sort of 35 mana. Or something. Exactsies. Drawing your deck. Yeah, exactly. Sort of make Exactsies mana. Save some more mana for counter magic. Floating. And then fireball for for, for Exactsies. Uh, or disintegrate even. Uh, or drain life. Do that That's too. nice. That's, you know, even better. Uh, more expensive to play. But also, like, I would challenge myself if I was sort of... I'm not going to brew this because this is not my type of deck. But if I were to brew this, I would sort of... Instead of sort of the good artifacts, I would play like, you know, Lodestone Bobble, an old podcast favorite <laughs> <laughs> the only way to kill people with yeah. bomberman 
Exactly. So you, you, you get to draw your deck, but you don't get that mana. So you just have to sort of work it a bit from there. That's my <laughs> that's my approach to this deck. Of course, first I was like, can you put this in reanimator? I'm like, no. That was that was that was hard. But imagine how sick that would be, man. Think about it. Okay, so you have a you have an archon, and you reanimate the kid. <sighs> And then you just mm-hmm. play Lotus Petal, Blink Archon. Oh. <laughs> Dark Ritual, Blink Archon. Ooh. And then you, you draw cards. You have Floating Mana, Thoughtseize, Blink Archon. Uh. Yeah, I'm not saying it's it's good, but I mean, they're like, Caracas, your Gristle brand. I'm like, no, thank you. I'll just play a Dark Ritual and Blink it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Blinking the Archon. I mean, that's a concept one would perhaps want to discuss further at some point uh, however i don't think it's sort of <laughs> what we're gonna try to do in the in the kitten segment uh, satan's kitten that's the de- name of that deck though satan's kitten wow. you can blink uh, iona and change the color or just uh, blink uh, oh. you know the emeria uh, angel uh, when they're attacking with marit and say creature post combat like uh, before damage this gets just better and better. Uh, I have a new future ahead of me. Tier 1 con watch out for Satan's kitten. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, Christopher, we all know that you have had uh, great struggles choosing just one kitten deck to discuss. I mean, this was your suggestion for a segment, and we could immediately see in your eyes these five, six decks that you're going to bring out discussing for about an hour and a half. And I mean, if we have a patron, that could be a patron goal. Fortunately for us and the listeners, we do not have a patron, nor will we get one. So one deck, one iteration of Kitten, give us the goods. Yeah. So I'm actually going to go with a deck that I saw friend of the pod, Marcus Ewald's Trukis post, which is Kitten High Tide. And this deck is so sweet. So what I've seen... A lot from him recently is a shift towards uh, playing Cloud of Fairies and Sapphire Medallion. Cloud of Fairies on ETBs untaps two lands and Sapphire Medallion makes blue spells cost one less. Uh, But then it's also in a in a high tide setting so you still have your spirals you have your high tides and a lot of sweet cards. So this list I'm going to I'm going to go through this. He might have made some changes, but uh, this is the list that I saw. So it's it's a lot of islands, okay? But in there is also two tundra and uh, a mystic sanctuary. Then we have four lotus petals, which might foreshadow the kitten Teferi coming soon. Pack the negation, four brainstorm, four high tide, four ponder, four preordain. One flusterstorm, one brain freeze, three cloud of fairies, four merchant scroll, four snap, four sapphire medallion. Four Spellseeker, a full playset. Four Teferi Time Raveler. Four Displays a Kitten. Four Force of Will. Four Time Spiral. And then just some really nice uh, sideboard cards. So what's extremely cool about this deck is the interaction between Displays a Kitten and either Teferi Lotus Petal that we talked about earlier or simply Cloud of Fairies and any spell. So you have... Sapphire medallion out, you play a high tide, then you play a displace a kitten, you know, you might have flusterstorm or pact or something like that up. You're just defending yourself. It resolves. Great. Cloud of Fairies, I'm gonna untap two lands, and which is netting you a lot of mana at this point because you're a high tide deck. Every cantrip from this point, if you play a lotus pedal, you get 
four mana. If you play a cantrip, you net three mana and cantrip. Spellseeker can find like deterministic kills from this point with snaps, picking up Spellseeker, playing it again, just keep on netting mana. And then you finally get that single tom brain freeze and just kill the opponent with it. So it's extremely delicate. I think it's super cool. And then also just playing the full playset of Teferi in a deck like this, you know, you can you can go off with a spiral and don't have to worry about what your opponent might draw. Like they might draw counter magic, which usually isn't that scary either in a deck like this, because you're packing things like Flusterstorm and, you know, you have your own forces. But with Teferi, you're just sitting there. So the interaction between Displacer Kitten and Cloud of Fairies is just absolutely amazing. And I love it. So packing all of those, you know, 12 one mana cantrips, which is just even without the high tide on the stack, just going to net you a mana each time you play a cantrip. Super cool. And then you have the infinite draw anyway, so that can't be bad. So that was my my deck of choice. And uh, yeah, the list that I looked at, there was a lot of cards that I went through. And the, the version he put out was a Yorion list, of course. So it's also packing one of those bad boys in the sideboard. Wow. But I've, I've seen more slim versions without the white uh, of this list. So it's only banking on Displacer Kitten and Cloud of Fairies. And then maybe having more counter spells or something like that. But extremely sweet list. And uh, yeah, if it wasn't for those time spirals, I would definitely try this out. Yeah, very cool. This deck is called um, Drown the Kitten. Oh man. <laughs> I was watching Anurag stream it, and he was running a mono blue uh, with, I think it was four Narsets that he kept resetting. Yeah, that's that's one of... <laughs> and they were like, finding gas, gas resetting Narsets. Yeah, that's one of the things that I've been... Uh, when I've been brewing on my own, and here we go, here's the second list. No, but when I've been <laughs> brewing this card on my own, I've been looking at things like Grixis, where you can just play Displacer Kitten as like a a value engine you don't have the teferi which uh, which sucks maybe you should add white to the list just to get ending and teferi but the cool thing with this place here is resetting hiretsugu in instant speed to you know have an explosion or just you know activating narset playing a displace a kitten and a spell reset narset narset again so it's uh it's just extremely cool and with the planeswalkers i don't think that was the intended use when they when they made this card they're like oh people are gonna blink their creatures it's gonna be super cool meanwhile uh, in legacy we're like yeah i'm gonna draw my deck with teferi or uh, go infinite with <laughs> karn or in instant speed hiretsugu my poor opponent <laughs> It's like this hasn't happened before with commander cards. It's so strange. <laughs> but also like I saw someone someone online was was like, "So this goes into the long line of broken cats of magic." Cuz you had that black cat that uh, you sacrificed in standard with the witch's cauldron and you had the Felidar guardian. There is this just this yeah. this cat theme. They just keep breaking them ever since Savannah Alliance, you know. I can't deny the power of uh, cauldron familiar I, I top 100 GP Bologna with that as my win con in Aluren because you could cascade into it with Shardless Agent, which is pretty pretty good. But then, you know, you also had Oko. 
<laughs> which is pretty nasty. It was clearly the familiar that did it. But uh, you as a you as a person who has played a lot of D and T, what about Brimas? <laughs> oh yeah, of course. I mean <laughs> the meme. I mean, let's say Brimas, you know, had its had its moment. It was a good card for a while there back in 2015 or something in Death and Taxes, but wasn't really broken, was it? Nah, and it was. It wasn't really good either. <laughs> I played uh, Joel Rail in the Snowco days. She was a cat maker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. This is true. But yeah, super cool card. Uh, I'm definitely gonna pick up a, a playset and see what happens. deny your opponent playing magic while you play magic, but at the same time you want to play a big Chandra. Mono Red Stompy is clearly a deck for you. And this week the Basic Land Connoisseur panel have climbed the hill and we are ready to dive for our choices of Basic Mountain for your deck. Robin, how was your ascension on Mount Stompy and what can you see from there? Alright, so you know when I pick Basic Lands in a, in a deck that fetches them together with duels, I like the white-bordered lands but when it comes to a deck that doesn't have fetches and doesn't really play duels either i like to do something a little bit different with the mana base you have the chance to play like the the full extended border cards for instance and i think i picked a lot of not maybe not a lot of but a few of those extended mountains before when we were talking about different decks but for this one i came across this quite crazy looking volcano but it's a mountain not a volcanic island it's a volcano from a secret lair called the zodiac lands and like this land is a bit cartoonish i should say it's got like a a blue almost purpley background there are peaks in the background and then there's this uh, cloud and uh, the sky and then there's this big dark red peak in the middle with a little purple castle in one of the like crevices and then there's this huge volcanic (laughs) eruption going on spewing lava all over the mountain in a very like symmetric shape so it's 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 something like in between cool and childish looking in my opinion what do you guys think about it yeah it is uh, very whimsical (laughs) we're gonna follow the theme oh, man. of this episode <laughs> uh, i think the volcano lava is erupting supposedly in the shape of the taurus sign because this is uh, a zodiac, uh, right, secret zodiac. Land. So these oh. are there were pieces for the island and so on and so forth all of these are are drawn by john d'angelo i really do like them actually and i i love this mountain uh, because the, the whimsicalness just the purple castle just really sort of puts it off hanging out it's just there i think it's nice looking but i also think that if you were more of a um, conservative art styled magic player this would annoy you and that works to the advantage of Monrad stompy because it's an annoying day 
Exactly. You are already in the business of annoying people, I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, that's super solid. So I like this choice. I do, I do. Yeah, I think uh, for for many reasons, uh, one that you both just mentioned to the to annoy the opponent this is an excellent choice but uh i didn't think about the the zodiac that it was uh, what did you say uh, taurus taurus i thought about uh, you know this was secret lair magic x mcdonald's or something like that because it looks like <laughs> 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 it looks like the hamburger looks like the mcdonald's m but hull breacher reprinted as hamburger oh man <laughs> But uh, what I what I really like about this, it has this uh, SNES aesthetic, uh, especially mm-hmm. the castle. And yeah. I, I'm I'm a big sucker mm. for SNES games, and the clouds look a lot of uh, that old aesthetic. But I also think like if we're talking about volcanoes, uh, what land has uh, is most played with a volcano in Legacy? Gotta be Volcanic Island, right? Sure. And this this deck just stomps those decks. And uh, mm. this kind of looks like them just blowing Delver up, uh, which uh, I think it's it's cool. But I I do like it. It's uh, it's it's just easy on the easy on the eyes, you know. Even though it's very colorful, I do think that it's it's happy. And since this is like a special product, uh, I like a special product uh, basic. You can fit this into like you can do that because all of the deck is pretty much in special art in some capacity so i think it's a good choice so what about uh you christopher i went uh, super easy this time like not too much thought into it but i went with a super solid mountain from tempest and it's mountain version 346 by mark pool and it has the one that i picked has uh, two what can you say really sharp creeks sort of forming a circle or something like that. It looks like the these really sharp rocks are making a, a beautiful circle. And everything is sharp in this picture. But my r- number one reason for picking this is because it goes perfectly together with those ancient tombs and city of traders, which is from the same block. And, uh, you know, it can't go wrong. If you're going heavy on the mana, you know, you're playing your soul lands, you might as well match them with a pretty mountain. And I don't know, I really like this. You know, the the shape that these rocks are creating kind of give me some vibes that it's not going to be a smooth walked victory for the opponent. And uh, yeah, I just really like this. And I, I picked it mainly because of Ancient Tomb and City of Traders, which is from the same block. So what do you think? I really like it. I think uh, one thing that stands out to me is like the the sky that is like almost black in the top and then have like different uh, layers of gray all the way down to the horizon and uh, i think that goes really good together with the art on ancient tomb like the old school ancient tomb so i think it's and and i also like like the different colors of the of the like the main mountain like the those two creeks that you were talking about but also the, like the little bit more darker mountain in the foreground that is a little bit lower and then the the really reddish mountains in the ba- in the background that is really sharp so very nice colors and the more you look at this art the more you see in it and i really like that in the basic land art that you sort of you keep on discovering it and i really as robin said i love this black sky 
fading into more of a grayish things. And this was going to be my pick too, uh, actually, for the same reasons that you gave Christopher. It goes so well with uh, I mean, the other lands that are, are so defining of Monred Stompy to me. But since you picked this one, I have to happily, though, go with a completely different route. Tell us about that route. Where did my thieving of ideas lead you? Well, I was displaced from uh, Tempest to uh, Commander 2017, Mountain number 306 by Key Walker. And this is basically a volcano drawn in a much more realistic fashion than uh, Robin's choice. And this volcano really has an interesting way of sort of having the lava just flowing. It's beautifully executed lava and i picked i wanted to to go sort of the volcano route because to me monored stompy is a koth of the hammer deck even though you haven't played koth in this deck for you know forever and i wanted to sort of give a shout out to koth by playing a volcanic mountain because i think that goes with koth and this is just a beautiful volcano that i found and that i would I would, having a couple of these volcanoes next to each other on the board I think would look marvelous so that's my choice yeah that, that city is definitely going down if you have multiple of these lined up but I, I, do, I do like it it's a, it's a cool depiction and like you said it's, it looks very realistic and if you contrast that with Kof that doesn't look he looks very fantasy but the powers really feels like this. And I did play a lot of Koth uh, in Painter back in the day. So um, I, I, definitely, I, I love myself a Koth. And by proxy, I like your pick and the reasoning behind it. I think it's pretty cool that like the mountains itself is pink. And I guess it's pink because of the heat yeah. that is yeah. coming from inside of the mountain. The whole rock is glowing. <laughs> That's the kind of heat it's presenting. And uh, yeah, that city isn't doing all too good. Not at all. Not at all. But it's a really cool picture. I like it. Yeah, of course, very sort of Pompeii hearkening back to real life, real history events. Wow, that happens in magic cards everywhere. Who knew? So weird. Turning pink by heat. That's super realistic. Just look at yourself in the mirror when you're out without sunscreen. In the sun. <laughs> <laughs> My kitten gets sunburned in our new balcony. We have to put sun lotion on her. <laughs> oh, man. Doesn't she have avoidance? You would think so. but um, She can just blink herself. She can. She just chooses not to. And that is all we have for this week. We hope that you have enjoyed listening to this as much as we have enjoyed recording it. Kitten Talk is always on top of the list. If you like the show, tell a friend you think should listen. And if you like climbing, come join our Discord server and bring your rope. You can also come there to write up your extreme kitten displacer shenanigan combos if you so wish to you can find the link in this episode description anyway and in addition to the discord server you can hit us up on twitter at sthlm legacy stockholm legacy we are personally present on some social media as well robin where can our listeners get a hold of you you can find me on uh, discord server and uh, on facebook and also on the like legacy subreddit yeah, and you'll find me on the Discord as well or at, on Twitter at monolithmtg. 
and you can find me on Twitter as Disco Drogo. And that is the end of the 51st episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robin Svensson and Christopher Wikström. Warm thanks to you for listening all the way to the end. Sorry for all the cat puns. The Great Frenes has written the music. You can also always find their work on Spotify. Catch you all in the next one. And bye for now. <laughs>